Welcome to Funeral Potatoes for the Singles Ward. Tune in to today's taboo topic with Kaylee and Tracy. Here we go. Episode two. Well, of the series. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> I think it's like, what, episode 60? We're on 60. 60! Such good progress. We've done 10 episodes this season already. Oh my gosh. How amazing is that? Boy, are we efficient. <laughs> we are on it. On it, y'alls. Killing it. I like it. I like us. We're doing good. You know what's funny is that every time I think I don't have my life together, I just think this podcast <laughs> is still running, so I'm right? obviously doing something <laughs> yes. right. Everything is falling <laughs> apart constantly. Everything else is a mess, but at least, at least, we have the podcast here. We've got to figure it out. We are doing it, and we're doing pretty good so we, far. <laughs> literally, so. like, the whole week can be trash, but we'll be like, oh, but that episode came out really nicely, so, like, I'm yes. okay with it. Yes, exactly. Yes, so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. I mean, if the last year and however many months of us doing this podcast have taught us anything, it's that we are getting more and more comfortable to everything in the world around us being on fire. That's true. And still being able to do everything. That is true. That is a good point. Yes, we're just like, okay, that's on fire. We see that better now and we understand that we are not in the fire, but everything else is in the fire. So we will be here and try to help others to not be on fire too. Yeah. But everything is still on fire. Yeah, it's because through Christ we can do all things. <laughs> that was my attempt at a segue. Oh, goodness. <laughs> Beautiful. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, we can work with that. <laughs> it would have been better if I hadn't died laughing in the oh, middle of it, but whatever. I'll take what uh, I can. No, that, that works. It's a perfect segue um, leading into, and we did mention that it's our second episode of the series mm-hmm. that we are currently doing about the atonement. So there we go. So today we are talking about the strengthening and enabling power of the atonement, which is super exciting. And this is going to be good. It's going to be so good. But I'm going to turn this over to you because this is your topic. Okay. (laughs) Honestly, (laughs) honestly, this is a topic that I have been so excited about doing for a really long time. And I never knew how to like get it to fit into the show. But like this series is a perfect opportunity for us to discuss it. Yes. Honestly, I think we could find a way to talk about literally anything on this podcast, though. Just, I mean, challenge accepted. Honestly, yes. I've had like some like really weird ideas lately. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure we could turn this into an episode. So we got this. So with this episode, there is an amazing article in the April 2012 Ensign titled The Atonement and the Journey of Mortality by David A. Bednar. And it's based off of a BYU devotional where he discusses the power of the atonement. Well, this power specifically of the atonement. It is such an under-discussed facet of the atonement that we knew we needed to cover it this week. So we'll be referencing this article basically this entire episode. So just be ready for it. Yes, it's going to be good. You guys really need to take your chance to read it by yourselves. Um... I only studied it like once you handed it to me and I need to go back because there was so much, so much to it. Well, thankfully, we're going to go through it this entire episode. So you're welcome. Yes, we are. (laughs) Hey, hey. (laughs) Perfect. All right. So to get us started, though, we do want to do a quick explanation, basically, of the atonement for any new listeners, for any non-members, for anyone who could use a quick recap. Um, Because the atonement does seem to really encompass a lot and it can easily become overwhelming if you don't center your focus too much. 
So as regarded in the churchofjesuschrist.org, the study manuals about the gospel topics regarding the atonement of Jesus Christ, it says, as used in the scriptures, to atone is to suffer the penalty for sins, thereby removing the effects of sins from the repentant sinner and allowing him or her to be reconciled to God. Jesus Christ was the only one capable of carrying out the atonement for all mankind. Because of his atonement, all people will be resurrected and those who obey his gospel will receive the gift of eternal life with God. So Christ fulfilled the atonement through his actions in the Garden of Gethsemane. He suffered for our sins. And this is one of the reasons why we do focus more on the night before his mortal death and not as much as what happened on the cross, which is what we uh, made a point of saying in our last episode. Christ had to both suffer and sacrifice for us. When he took on all the actions and that pain, he was fulfilling his mission and pain for our sins. We needed the atonement as part of our Heavenly Parents' plan to ensure for us the opportunity to become like them through the possibility of being clean and being resurrected. The way for us to achieve our purpose on this planet during this lifetime was accomplished through the atonement. He completed the act of the atonement, and we are still using that, and it was enacted when he did that, and it continues to play out through our lives now, and will be all part of the second coming, and, and so forth, and so on. Exactly. So to introduce what we're talking about more fully with this mysterious facet of the atonement is a quote from Elder Bednar's article, The Atonement and the Journey of Mortality, where he lays everything out very clearly for us. He says, Most of us clearly understand that the atonement is for sinners. I'm not so sure, however, that we know and understand that the atonement is also for saints, for good men and women who are obedient, worthy, and conscientious, and who are striving to become better and serve more faithfully. We may mistakenly believe we must make the journey from good to better and become a saint all by ourselves, through sheer grit, willpower, and discipline. And with our obviously limited capacities, the atonement provides help for us to overcome and avoid bad and to do and become good. Help from the Savior is available for the entire journey of mortality, from bad to good to better and to change our very nature. What we're going to be talking about and focusing on today truly is the strengthening and enabling power of the atonement, which will help us on our journey of discipleship to go from good to better and to ultimately become like Christ. So we've talked about this so many times in our podcast about how none of us are going to reach perfection in this lifetime. That's not possible. But every single one of us should be working every day to be a little bit better than we were the day before. And if we didn't have this power of the atonement, we would have no hope in actually becoming like Christ and becoming better every single day. We would have no hope of being worthy to live with him and our heavenly parents one day in the future. And so we're going to break this down even further and help you understand this power of the atonement better, where it comes from and how it can really be applied to our lives. Exactly. It's absolutely incredible. And uh, the the way I was just thinking about it was like, okay, we want to get into heaven. He just gave us our ticket, but we need to be working to get better so that we can actually accept it. Exactly. Everything's been, we are being given the countless opportunities to keep being better and to come closer to our heavenly parents, to come closer to eternal life. And now's the opportunity for us to, to work towards that. So Today's topic is going to be amazing and a great book that you could also read in line with this article and with everything is Ted R. Callister's The Infinite Atonement. So I know that has a pretty good rep in the church. And so he quotes uh, 
President Gordon B. Hinckley in the book, where he spoke of the atonement, its relationship to other events in world history. And they say, when all is said and done, when all of history is examined, when the deepest depths of the human mind have been explored, there is nothing so wonderful, so majestic, so tremendous as this act of grace. That's beautiful. Which leads us perfectly into our conversation about grace, because grace is very much part of the atonement. We really need to talk about that. Um, And it's really where the term of the strengthening and enabling power of the atonement can be better defined. So we can kick it off in the Bible dictionary where we read that grace is, quote, a word that occurs frequently in the New Testament, especially in the writings of Paul. The main idea of the word is divine means of help or strength given through the bounteous mercy and love of Jesus Christ. It is through the grace of the Lord Jesus made possible by his atoning sacrifice that mankind will be raised in immortality, every person receiving his body from the grave in a condition of everlasting life. It is likewise through the grace of the Lord that individuals, through faith in the atonement of Jesus Christ and repentance of their sins, receive strength and assistance to do good works that they otherwise would not be able to maintain if left to their own means. This grace is an enabling power that allows men and women to lay hold on eternal life and exaltation after they have expanded their own best efforts, end quote. To summarize all of that, grace as we've learned, is the divine means of help or strength given through the love of Christ. I love that. So it's through his atoning sacrifice, which we discussed last week of his suffering in Gethsemane, and Kaylee perfectly summarized again earlier in this episode, that we have this gift and power. So it enables us to receive strength and assistance to do the works we otherwise would not be able to do if we were left on our own. It makes us powerful and capable. And like Mm -hmm. I jokingly said at the beginning of this episode, Mm. it's just like the scripture says, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me, which is in Philippians 4.13. So as corny as it sounds, it's very true. It's basically giving us this superpower. Yes. To do all this. We need superpowers to to get to eternal life. And yeah. Christ is giving that to us. All right. So Elder Dieter F. Uchtdorf gave another. Oh my gosh. He gave all the amazing talks. Every time I put Uchtdorf in our notes, I just start laughing because I'm like, of course we have an Uchtdorf quote again. Of course we do. Of course. He just says, he says everything. He says all the right things. He's just got so much good stuff to share, especially in his April 2015 general conference talk titled The Gift of Grace. So that's where he explains that grace has more power that strengthens and enables us to become like Christ. He says, It is a most wondrous thing, this grace of God, yet it is often misunderstood. To that end, I would like to speak of grace. First, grace unlocks the gates of heaven, because we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God, and because there cannot any unclean thing enter into the kingdom of God, every one of us is unworthy to return to God's presence. We cannot earn our way into heaven. The demands of justice stand as a barrier, which we are powerless to overcome on our own. But all is not lost. Through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, the plan of mercy appeases the demands of justice and brings about means unto men that they may have faith unto repentance. Our sins, though they may be as scarlet, can become white as snow. Because our beloved Savior gave himself a ransom for all, and entrance into his everlasting kingdom is provided unto us. The gate is unlocked. So great. And he, so Uktor further explains how because the gate is unlocked, our path of discipleship leads us forward and not backward. Once we've repented, we can step forward, leaving our old life and our sins behind, allowing us to step into new heights that we can't even comprehend, 
ultimately leading us toward Christ, which is just half of it. I love that. So exciting. So great. That really is just like what you were saying earlier about how like the atonement is that access card that gives us access to the things that we need, like power, strength. Mm -hmm. It gives us a key into heaven and then it depends on us to use the key and to do the next phase. So I love that he further illustrates that for us. Right. So perfect. Okay, then he has another great quote. So he says, second, grace opens the windows of heaven through which God pours out blessings of power and strength, enabling us to achieve things that otherwise would be far beyond our reach. It is by God's amazing grace that his children can overcome the undercurrents and quicksands of the deceiver, rise above sin, and be perfect in Christ. Though we all have weaknesses, we can overcome them. Indeed, it is by the grace of God that if we humble ourselves and have faith, weak things can become strong. Awesome. So that's awesome. Amazing. So basically, after unlocking the gate through the atonement and allowing us to repent, grace also strengthens us to become stronger and perfected in Christ. It allows us to overcome weaknesses, trials, and temptations. Truly, the the atonement is all-encompassing. So it does a lot of things for us. It it helps us get to the end. Like we can keep going and keep going, but we still need the atonement to get to the end completely. Yeah. Okay. So anyways, the last bit that Uchtdorf addresses in this talk about grace is how we have a common misconception that grace only comes into effect after we've done everything we could on our own. He shares the example of Nephi who labored diligently teaching about Christ so that, quote, they could be saved by grace after all we do, unquote. Elder Uchtdorf says, we must understand that after does not equal because. We are not saved because of all that we can do. Have any of us done all that we can do? Does God wait until we've expanded every effort before he will intervene in our lives with his saving grace? Many people feel discouraged because they constantly fall short. They know firsthand that the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. I'm certain that Nephi knew that the Savior's grace allows and enables us to overcome sin. This is why Nephi labored so diligently to persuade his children and brethren to believe in Christ and to be reconciled to God. After all, that is what we can do, and that is our task in mortality. I love that. So cool. So basically, our job in mortality, as stated by Uchtdorf and then heard again by Bednar, is to believe in Christ and be reconciled to God, because that is what we can actually do during this lifetime. We can't become perfect. We can't control every aspect of our lives, much to our chagrin, but we can control our faith and our testimonies in Christ and his gospel. So the more we turn to Christ, the more we become aware of his hands in our lives, making things happen and making us better. And I love that. Uh, so that quote has always stuck out to me. And I think I remember when Uchtdorf gave this because, or at least like when I ended up reading the talk next, when I first heard this talk, one way or another, I remember it because it stood out pointing out that my belief had been wrong all this time. I thought I had to be able to do everything. I thought I had to qualify for God's grace and I don't. I have to be trying, um, but I don't have to do absolutely everything before I can have access to that. And that's that's made such a difference in my life. Yeah, I think that's such an important thing to focus on is that grace doesn't come after we've like killed ourselves. It comes and it's there from beginning to end. It's there the entire time as we are exerting ourselves. And so I think that's such an important thing to differentiate through this as well. 
Now we're going to talk about, like Elder Bednar said, going from good to better, because it's more than just living in life. It's about becoming, and it's becoming more than we've ever been before. And as we learn from Mosiah chapters two through six during King Benjamin's version of General Conference in the Book of Mormon, we learn that the atonement is directly correlated to navigating our journey of mortality successfully. So in Mosiah chapter 3, verse 19, we read, For the natural man is an enemy to God, and has been from the fall of Adam, and will be forever and ever, unless he yields to the enticings of the Holy Spirit, and putteth off the natural man, and becometh a saint through the atonement of Christ the Lord. So in this verse, we learn that our purpose in mortality, just as Uchtdorf said, is to give up the natural man and become better, or become a saint. And in order to do that, we need to yield to the enticings or promptings of the Holy Ghost, and we need to repent. Elder Bednar said, I draw your attention to two specific phrases. First, putteth off the natural man. The journey from bad to good is the process of putting off the natural man or the natural woman in each of us. And when we make mistakes as we transgress in sin, we can repent and become clean through the redeeming power of the atonement of Jesus Christ. Second, becometh a saint. This phrase describes the continuation and second phase of life's journey to make good men better, or in other words, to become more like a saint. The second part of the journey, this process of going from good to better, is a topic about which we do not study or teach frequently enough, nor understand adequately. I suspect that many church members are much more familiar with the nature of the redeeming and cleansing power of the atonement than they are with the strengthening and enabling power. It is one thing to know that Jesus Christ came to earth to die for us. That is fundamental and foundational to the doctrine of Christ. But we also need to appreciate that the Lord desires, through his atonement and by the power of the Holy Ghost, to live in us. Not only to direct us, but also to empower us. That is so good. I I love this article so much. Like, I can't even begin to express my obsession with it. So basically, in order to become better, we need the atonement of Christ. We don't just need it to be cleansed and to be forgiven when we repent, but we need it in every single aspect and part of our lives. We need it to direct us, we need it to live in us, and we need it to empower us to make good decisions. If we want to be raised to the level of the challenges that we face, we need the atonement. If we want to be strengthened to endure the trials that we are living through, we need the atonement. If we want to be able to make good decisions, we need the atonement. Ultimately, we need the atonement because that is not only what's going to help us survive, it's what's going to help us thrive and what's going to refine us throughout the entire process. So I love this aspect of the atonement. I really love how you're talking about that refiner, Tracy, because that is so important. Um, And we do have to be committing ourselves to it. And I love another quote shared in The Infinite Atonement by Ted R. Callister, where he writes that if the atonement is the foundation of our faith, and it is, then no one should be content with a casual acquaintance of this doctrine. Instead, the atonement should be paramount in our intellectual and spiritual pursuits. This is something that we need to be constantly working toward. It's not just something that we like think about in the back of our minds and, you know, mention on occasion in the Sunday school kind of situation. The redeeming and the cleansing power of the atonement is so important that we need to be applying it to our lives. And the only way to like be able to apply this power to our lives is to be keeping it in mind. It needs to be paramount in our intellectual and spiritual pursuits on a very regular basis. We need to be learning about it more frequently. Like we, yes, 
and we'll get into this in a minute or two, but like there are so many examples in the scriptures of the strengthening and enabling power of the atonement, yeah. which like we don't focus on because we don't attribute that to being a benefit of the atonement. We just attribute that to them being like obedient or faithful or whatever, but that's not the only thing. There is more to it. And so we'll share a couple of examples in a little bit, but like we need to learn about this more frequently if we want to really be able to access this power and blessing of the atonement in our lives. Yeah. So basically you can think of like one of those like conspiracy walls or the walls that like people do in like the PlayStation where they tie <laughs> have all these pictures with like red string <laughs> connecting everywhere. Atonement is like right in the center. It is like connected to everything. Yeah. Like, and we, we need to be looking at that red string. We need to be making that connection and focusing on it. So important. As silly as that <laughs> analogy is, it's very accurate. <laughs> right though. <laughs> I know I'm like super excited about this topic today. I hope by the end of this episode, someone is as excited as I am. Yes. Honestly, I, well, and then like, I was like a little bit hesitant on this because I was like, how are we going to find so much to talk about? Cause this was all you. And now I am getting excited because like when people talk about the atonement in church, it tends to just get repeated the same things over and over. Like we just have that single atonement lesson or something. Then we have an Easter lesson and we don't really correlate the atonement to everything like we're trying to do now. Like we're trying to show is already the case, the situation. And so, yeah, just going through this, like I'm getting a little bit more excited. Like I want to be diving in more. I feel like I need to like memorize that entire article just to like burn it into my brain. Like this is, this is such good stuff. It's so good. All right. So. Speaking of the article, we have another another quote by Elder Bednar, if you want to share it. Okay, sure. So Elder Bednar continues, and he says, The enabling power of the atonement of Christ strengthens us to do things we could never do on our own. Sometimes I wonder if in our latter-day world of ease, in our world of microwave ovens and cell phones and air-conditioned cars and comfortable homes, we ever learn to acknowledge our daily dependence on the enabling power of the atonement. Literally, just like you were saying, Kaylee, like we have so many lessons where we don't discuss this enough. And we have those two cookie cutter lessons of the atonement and Easter. And we are missing a huge facet of it when we don't discuss that when we go through trials, this power is truly the most apparent. When we talk about trials in the church, we tend to say like, oh, it was hard and I prayed, but at the end of it, I got all of these blessings and they don't discuss like what happened in the middle, which is something that you and I have talked about a lot in this podcast and just in life in general. When we go through trials, we are truly relying on the Lord to help us get out of bed in the morning. Like we are depending on him to put a smile on our faces and to survive. That comes from the enabling the strengthening and enabling power of the atonement. Like, I don't know how much clearer I need to get, but that's where it comes from, guys. That is the case. And so let's dive into it. Let's explain a few examples like you're discussing. We're going to start with the Book of Mormon. We can dive right in with Nephi. You have to you have to start with Nephi. Honestly, he's at the beginning. So we're going to start in First uh, Nephi 7. Even though we could essentially use any story from Nephi's life to illustrate this point, because he truly understood and had a strong testimony of the atonement, and he used this every day of his life. So we're going to be talking about First uh, Nephi chapter 7, where Nephi, Laman, Lemuel, Sam, and Zoram are commanded to go back to Jerusalem and seek out Ishmael and his family to bring them with them to the promised land. As we know from the story, they do get Ishmael, his wife, their sons and daughters to join them. And so they begin their journey back to the point in the wilderness where Lehi and Sariah were camped at the time. 
So somewhere along the journey, Lame and Lemuel and a few of the sons of Ishmael begin complaining because they finally realize that they were on their second or third journey to and from Jerusalem and were exhausted. Like I I I don't blame them. I like don't going back and forth. It's just like let's just do one trip and call it good. Yeah. I understand their irritation to a certain extent. So yeah, they're they're just over it. However, when they decide they're done, they want to go back to Jerusalem and they want Nephi does. So they decide to tie him up and throw him in some part of the desert and leave him, planning to just let the wilderness have its way with him. So in verse 17, Nephi prays to have strength that he may burst these bands with which he is bound. This is so fascinating. So enter Elder Bednar with his commentary. He says, do you know what I likely would have prayed for if I had been tied up by my brothers? Please get me out of this mess now. It is especially interesting to me that Nephi did not pray to have his circumstances changed. Rather, he prayed for the strength to change his circumstances. And I believe he prayed in this manner precisely because he knew, understood, and had experienced the enabling power of the atonement. Amazing. I love that. It's so good. And so he, so Elder Bednar suggests that Nephi was blessed with persistence and personal strength beyond his natural capacity that allowed him to work, twist, and tug on the cords until he was ultimately able to break them. The implication, he explains, is as you and I come to understand and employ the enabling power of the atonement in our personal lives, we will pray and seek for strength to change our circumstances rather than praying on our circumstances to be changed. We will become agents who act rather than objects that are acted upon. I love that. That last line of we will become agents who act rather than objects that are acted upon is something that completely changed my view of the atonement and how it helps you to endure trials. Like not only that, but like the gospel in general. Like I know we we learn through our lives that faith requires action. That's like the biggest primary fundamental principle that we learn in church. But I never thought of it in the sense of having a testimony of the atonement means that you pray to be strengthened so you can change your circumstances instead of praying to have your circumstances changed around you. I think a prime example of this is the pandemic and the worldwide fast. Yes. Yes. Like you were talking about the other day or last other episode that made a really good point that I hadn't thought about. Please share. The prophet literally asked us to do a worldwide fast twice so that medical professionals and scientists would be given the inspiration to have a vaccine prepared so that we could all go back to a normal way of life. He didn't ask us to pray the virus away. And some members seem to think that because we fasted, the virus would just magically disappear one day. And that's not how the Lord answers prayers. That's not how the atonement works at all. He strengthened the minds of scientists and medical professionals to know what to look for and to modify in their research and chemistry to create this vaccine in record time. He sped up the hearts of men to be willing to test this vaccine so that way the test trials could go even faster than any other vaccine in history. Clinical trials usually take three years because they don't have enough people to volunteer to do those clinical trials, but people were volunteering everywhere and they were able to get them done so quickly because of the number of volunteers. Those are miracles that came from our fast. Those are miracles that came through the strengthening and enabling power of the atonement because of our fast. 
our circumstances can only change when we are agents who are acting and take a step of faith to follow the path that the Lord is giving us. So like I know it is my testimony that this vaccine is a direct blessing of our fasting and that us taking it will be the miracle of herd immunity, making it possible for the virus to go away. But it is completely up to us to be the agents who act that will be changing the circumstances of making herd immunity and not objects who are acted upon who think that if we pray hard enough, the virus will just go away. We have to do our part. Oh my gosh. Yes. This this is such a strong point. You said this so well. Thank you. And it's something that I've always struggled with because I do want those miracles in my life all the time. I want all the obstacles to be removed from my path. But this is such a good reminder that the Lord is not going to remove the obstacles. The Lord is going to empower us to be strong enough to face the obstacles before us. Mm-hmm. He's going to help us to be more than we are. He's not going to change the things around us like that. Yeah. It's... It's so important. It's it's just incredible. This aspect of the atonement is literally what has changed my view of the gospel. Yeah. I don't know if it's going to be the same for everyone else, but I know that learning about this aspect of the atonement is what changed everything for me. And like it's even further illustrated in Alma and his followers from Mosiah chapter 24. So our next example that we have is Alma and his followers. Shortly after they were baptized in the waters of Mormon, they were all persecuted and subjected to slavery by Amulon in Mosiah chapter 24. So if you remember this story, the people of Alma were in bondage and they were forced to do hard labor that literally made them collapse during the day frequently. They were forbidden to pray out loud by Amulon and his men, but they continued to pray in their hearts and to ask the Lord to help them get through this trial. The Lord heard their prayers, and his voice came to the people, saying, I will ease the burdens which are put upon your shoulders, that even you cannot feel them upon your backs. And that comes from verse 14. So as a result, the Lord really did ease their burdens and made them light. He strengthened them so they could bear their burdens with ease, which can be found in verses 14 and 15. The burden itself didn't change. They still had to do hard labor. They were still forbidden to pray out loud. Like, the circumstances didn't change whatsoever. The challenges and the difficulties weren't removed. But the people were strengthened, and they were empowered through the atonement to act as agents and to impact their circumstances. And shortly thereafter, they were guided to safety in the land of Zarahemla. I really love this example of the strengthening and enabling power of the atonement because these people were newly converted to believing in Christ. They were brand new. They just knew the basic stuff that Alma had taught them that came from Avinadi. So they just knew like the bare minimum. (laughs) They were doing everything that they could to be faithful, but things were still difficult. It's very much a mirror situation to our lives. Like even if you're a new member or you're an old time member of the church, You could be doing everything that you could to be faithful, and things are still going to be difficult. That doesn't change. It does not negate anything. It's just... A fact of life. Yeah. But these people were turned everything over to the Lord, and they were constantly seeking guidance and seeking strength so that they could do the work that they were being forced to do. They had a testimony that the Lord would make it possible for them. And he definitely did. He made it possible for them to endure their difficult circumstances, to become better, to become stronger, and to become holier through the atonement of Jesus Christ. And so I love this example because it directly correlates to everything in our lives too. When we're going through trials, we can't just like lay down and be like, this is too hard, I give up. 
Like the Lord is not going to take the trial away. You still have to get up and push yourself and pray and ask the Lord to strengthen you so that way you can meet that trial and overcome it. Exactly. So those are just two of the examples from the Book of Mormon alone. There are so many, though, that we could spend, we could do a whole other series, honestly. I mean, basically everything, basically everything. Um, it's about the atonement. So, um, but we're going to do a slightly more current example um, in regards to the handcart companies. So there are countless stories of the early saints who traveled from Illinois to Utah in handcart companies, and they had to endure the worst hardships imaginable then, and were only able to do so through the tender mercy and grace of God. One example that Elder Bennar teaches about in his article is about Daniel W. Jones. Jones was born in 1830 in Missouri, and he joined the church in California in 1851. Five years later, in 1856, he joined the rescue parties of handcart companies stuck in Wyoming due to severe snowstorms. So once they made it to the handcart company, they made arrangements to transport the sick and very weak to Salt Lake City, while Daniel and other young men volunteered to remain with and safeguard the company's possessions. However, they quickly ran out of food and the supplies left behind with them. They were unable to hunt because game was very scarce, and so all they had left were the hides of animals that they'd previously eaten, which they attempted to cook and eat once, but it left everyone sick for days. Hides of animals... Oh gosh, I just, Ew. I think you like having all that, that fur in your mouth and I just, uh, uh, <laughs> I know that's what I think of too. Uh, so, so Jones with the rest of the, the young men there, they, they decided to pray to ask the Lord what to do. Oh, I would want a miracle. I would want manna. I would want all the deer to come. Yeah. Um, but Daniel W. Jones, he received an impression about how to fix the hides and cook them. They would have to scorch them and, and remove the hair, then boil it in water for an hour, toss the water, scrape the hide, boil those scrapings into a jelly, then let it get cold and serve with a sprinkle of sugar. That sounds absolutely disgusting. I don't I don't want to say like I want to die because like in a desperate situation, I suppose I would do that, but I cannot fathom uh, that. Uh, oh gosh. So <laughs> don't gag. <laughs> So we learn in Daniel's journals where he states that this was considerable trouble, but we had little else to do and it was better than starving. We asked the Lord to bless our stomachs and adapt them to this food. On eating now, all seemed to relish the feast. We were three days without eating before the second attempt was made. We enjoyed the sumptuous fare for about six weeks. Oh my gosh. I cannot imagine going through that, especially as someone who does not even enjoy leftovers. Unless I'm like in like a serious phase, I don't like to eat the same thing over and over again. I'm not made I'm not made for that life. I was born at this time for modern conveniences. I cannot imagine that. Girl, same. Like I <laughs> I hate jello and gelatin Gels. anything. Like oh, I would I would probably sketchy. just lay down and die. Be like, you know what, yeah, guys? Just bury me now. Spirits can take me. <laughs> I am done. I tried. I helped. I did what I could. I'm done. <laughs> but luckily the lesson here is not to learn how to boil hides it is how they ask the lord for help how to bless our stomachs and adapt them to this food instead of changing their circumstances and asking for mcdonald's and deer and anything else that would have been so much better than that <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's a very yeah. important <laughs> lesson um and so elder bednar's commentary is just gold he says in those circumstances i probably would have prayed for something else to eat Heavenly Father, please send me a quail or a buffalo. Same. 
It likely would not have occurred to me to pray that my stomach would be strengthened and adapted to the food we had. What did Daniel W. Jones know? He knew about the enabling power of the, the atonement of Jesus Christ. He did not pray that his circumstances would be changed. He prayed that he would be strengthened to deal with his circumstances. Daniel W. Jones had the spiritual insight to know what to ask for in that prayer. And that's what after three days without eating. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I need to be a lot better of a person now as I consider Jones's example, but also I don't want to be in that situation. I mean, true. But like, ultimately, this comes right back down to what we discussed in our earlier episode about submitting your will to the Lord. So he knew that he could either pray to adapt and be strengthened by the atonement Or he could die, which, as we have just learned, (laughs) you and I would choose death first. So (laughs) we're a terrible example here. But he knew that if the Lord wanted him dead, he would already be dead. And he knew that the Lord's will and plan for him and the other men in his company was to survive. So the question ultimately was how. This example of the strengthening and enabling power of the atonement is so huge because he was barely 26. He had only been a member of the church for five years, and yet he had so much faith. He had the faith necessary to trust in the Lord and to ask for strength where he lacked and then to act in faith. At 31, I can't even say that I would be able to do that. Uh Uh-uh. Nope. No guarantee, unfortunately. I would like to, but... I also don't want to have to think about being in that circumstance. I, I would like to think of easier situations um, where I can learn how to ask. And it's this is just such an important lesson that we need to learn. We need to be learning from these amazing examples how to accept the circumstances we are in and learn how to adapt to them with the strengthening and the enabling power of the atonement. That is how we can become better. This is how we can grow and have the atonement with us. So we have to have faith to trust in the Lord. We have to ask for strength where we are lacking and then do something. If we don't do that last part and act in faith, then we're going to miss the opportunity to become more like the Savior and see the miracle power of his atonement working in our lives. We need it. We've talked about grace. We've talked about examples of the strengthening and enabling power of the atonement. And now we want to wrap up everything by talking about how the strengthening and enabling power of the atonement brings hope into our lives. So Elder Bednar said, The Savior has suffered not just for our iniquities, but also for the inequality, the unfairness, the pain, the anguish, and the emotional distresses that so frequently beset us. There is no physical pain, no anguish of soul, no suffering of spirit, no infirmity or weakness that you and I have ever experienced during our mortal journey that the Savior did not experience first. You and I, in a moment of weakness, may cry out, no one understands, no one knows. No human being perhaps knows, but the Son of God perfectly knows and understands, for he felt and bore our burdens before we ever did. And because he paid the ultimate price and bore that burden, he has perfect empathy and can extend to us his arm of mercy in so many phases of our life. He can reach out, touch, succor, literally run to us and strengthen us to be more than we could ever be and help us to do that which we could never do through relying only upon our own power. I know we've said this a thousand times on this podcast, but we wholeheartedly believe and know that Christ truly knows and understands everything that we go through perfectly. He bore every agony, every sickness, frustration, and weakness that we 
experience in our lives, and he did it so that he can extend that perfect mercy and grace to all of us throughout our lives. Amen to that, especially. And that's honestly been one of the strongest parts of my testimony, Um, I think since college, where things started getting a lot harder for me. And that's that's been the core that's been like in the foundation of my testimony knowing that i am not alone knowing that christ knows exactly what each of us is going through that can bring such peace and comfort within my life and i know it can bring peace and comfort to to everyone else as well and this is all done by the strength by the power of the atonement and that's just incredible so we also do want to share another article, which is pretty awesome. Just came out last year in April 2020, and it was in the inside, and it's titled, What Church Leaders Are Saying About the Atonement of Jesus Christ. And so that has multiple quotes from current general authorities about why the atonement brings them hope. So we thought we'd share a couple that highlight the strengthening and enabling power of the atonement. So we have three of them that are absolutely amazing. So the first one is by Michelle D. Craig, and she says, because of our Savior's atoning sacrifice, we can be made equal to the tasks that lie ahead. The prophets have taught that as we climb the path of discipleship, we can be sanctified through the grace of Christ. I love that. I love that. It's not the challenges that become easier. We are made stronger to face them. We can be made equal to the tasks that lie ahead of us. I love that one. All right, so the next one is by President Russell M. Nelson. He says, Life can be overwhelming at times. My wife, Danzel, died suddenly when her heart stopped beating. All my knowledge as a heart surgeon could not save her. Cancer has claimed the lives of two of our daughters. I understand the heartbreak of separation from loved ones. But Jesus is the light that shines in the dark. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is our anchor when we are desperately in need. We do not have to go through this life alone. Jesus Christ atoned to help us find the covenant path that leads back home. He can give us the strength and courage to walk confidently on that path. And I love this one so much because we really do have someone to turn to all the time so that we're not alone. We are social creatures. We are not really meant to be isolated and alone. And as much as you and I like being hermits, <laughs> interaction is very important to our emotional and mental well-being. So that's often why trials seem harder, because we feel so alone. But we don't need to be. We have someone all the time. We aren't going to be alone. So important. All right, so the third quote that we want to share is by Jeffrey R. Holland, where he says, One of the great consolations of this Easter season is that because Jesus walked such a long, lonely path, utterly alone, we do not have to do so. His solitary journey brought great company for our little version of that path. The merciful care of our Father in Heaven, the unfailing companionship of His beloved Son, the consummate gift of the Holy Ghost, angels in Heaven, family members on both sides of the veil, prophets and apostles, teachers, leaders, and friends. All of these and more have been given as companions for our mortal journey because of the atonement of Jesus Christ and the restoration of His gospel. Trumpeted from the summit of Calvary is the truth that we will never be left alone or unaided, even if sometimes we may feel that we are. Truly, the Redeemer of us all said, I will not leave you comfortless. My Father and I will come to you and abide with you. I love that quote so much. That is so, it's so comforting and it's amazing. And we highlight Christ's life in such a manner that it often feels impossible to relate to him, to consider that we could be half the person 
or being that he was or is like he's the savior like we we can't do that we can't be him but that's the thing that's not a comparison that we should be focusing on instead we need to focus on the example that he set for us to make it through hard trials things that he often he mostly did with help as well from from our heavenly father he called on god and angels for comfort when he needed them and we can all do the same we have so much help available to us as long as we're willing to reach out and say hey i can't do this alone anymore I love that. And he will definitely help us every time. We have one more quote from The Infinite Atonement. Elder Callister says, The atonement of Jesus Christ outweighs, surpasses, and transcends every other mortal event, every new discovery, and every acquisition of knowledge. For without the atonement, all else in life is meaningless. I don't know why I didn't think about the atonement in that kind of magnitude, but like it really is that big. Right? I always considered it just kind of like, okay, like, yeah, yeah, it's part of everything. Like, yeah, whatever. It's more than that. It outweighs, it surpasses, it transcends everything. Like, without the atonement, life is meaningless. Life, nothing would be possible without it. There isn't, yeah. <laughs> That's what makes the atonement makes life possible. It makes the next life possible as well. Like, it gives everything meaning and purpose and it creates everything for us. It's so incredible. To wrap everything up, as we have regularly discussed in our podcast, our whole purpose in life is to become better people and to become better disciples of Jesus Christ. We know that we can't do this alone. We need help both on earth and from heaven. The atonement of Jesus Christ, as we've learned, is meant to help us purify ourselves through repentance and go further down the path of discipleship by submitting our will to the Lord's and becoming like him. We have to press forward in faith. We have to be trusting in the Lord and asking for strength to overcome our weaknesses. And then we have to act. As we do so, through the strengthening and enabling power of the atonement, we will be able to rise to the level of our challenges, strengthened to endure all challenges, and we will be given the capacity and power to do more than we could ever imagine doing on our own. And because of all of that, we will be able to truly become a saint and become more like Jesus Christ. Why we're here. And so I want to end with one more quote from The Infinite Atonement by Callister, where he wrote, at some point, the multitudinous sins of countless ages were heaped upon the Savior, but his submissiveness was much more than a cold response to the demands of justice. This was not a nameless, passionless atonement performed by some detached stoic being. Rather, it was an offering driven by infinite love. This is a personalized, not a mass atonement. Merrill J. Bateman spoke not only of the atonement's infinite nature, but also of its intimate reach. The Savior's atonement in the garden and on the cross is intimate as well as infinite. Infinite in that it spans the eternities. Intimate in that the Savior felt each person's pains, sufferings, and sicknesses. Since the Savior, as a God, has a capacity to simultaneously entertain multiple thoughts, perhaps it was not impossible for the mortal Jesus to contemplate each of our names and transgressions in concomitant fashion as the atonement progressed without ever sacrificing personal attention for any of us. His suffering need never lose its personal nature. While such suffering had both macro and micro dimensions, the atonement was ultimately offered for each one of us. Wow. Uh, is just so strong and I I just felt that we really need to include this because we do often talk about the atonement in such a way that it doesn't really even seem real that it seems 
unreachable that it's something that we could never fathom and to an extent that is true but it's so much more than that the atonement is infinite and it is intimate because of what christ did for each one of us i'm so glad that you included that because just hearing him say because it's possible for him to entertain multiple thoughts at one time that it wasn't impossible for him to think about us with each of the transgressions or pains that we could have been feeling and so that's like that really does make the atonement feel more personal hearing that quote it does. This really made an impact on me because I always did kind of think of it as him being a stoic being who's like, I can do this. I have to do this. But honestly, I think this this quote is more of a possibility where he was like, he thought about each one of us, about our names and our faces and was like, this is why I'm doing it. Yeah, I love that. I'm so glad that we talked about the strengthening and enabling power of the atonement today and that we have this series for us to do over the next few weeks because I feel like more than anything I feel like I'm learning so much more about the atonement and the more layers that it has than I ever have in the past. Agreed. It is, it's so much more. I know that apostles have said in the past that you could spend like your whole life studying the atonement and still not learn <laughs> everything. And I am glad yes. that we are taking this challenge a little bit. <laughs> right? Because <laughs> it feels like the, great, the greatest preparation for Easter that like I could, yes. I could never have imagined a better preparation oh for Easter. There, I, there isn't a better way. Like that, that's what Easter is all about. And now we can think about it in more terms than just you know, flowers and Easter eggs and all that fun stuff. There's so much power. There's so much love within the atonement that we can experience and come to better understand. And this series is going so well. I think I'm having so much fun learning about everything. This is so important for each of us and everyone to learn. I can't wait for next week now. Yeah. So thanks for joining us this week, guys. Next week, we're going to be talking about the redemptive power of the atonement. So take some time this week to digest what we've told you. Go back and read that article by Elder Bednar called The Atonement and the Journey of Mortality. If you have it, go and read The Infinite Atonement by Tad R. Callister and just get yourselves in the mindset of focusing on the atonement again. Yes. Yes. So thank you again, you guys, and we will talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.